Uh, my name is Josh Dallendorf. I'm the Generations Pastor here. And we are diving into the book of Jude, which seems like an odd book to dive into because it seems like a pretty shallow pool, but there actually has a lot of depth to it. My senior year at Houghton College, uh, one of my best friends uh, lived in my townhouse. Um, we, we had classes together. And, and one day, um, I realized that he wasn't at our townhouse. And uh, come to find out that there were some emotional issues going on. And he actually had to check himself into a psychiatric hospital. So uh, my friend and I, we, uh, we had dropped him off there. And uh, we ended up staying around for a little bit and noticing there was a whiteboard in the lobby. And on this whiteboard, it said, God helps those who help themselves. Quote, King James Version. And I'm like, one, I don't think that's actually in the Bible. And two, if it was the King James Version, there would definitely be some more these and thous in that. But anyway, I thought to myself, well, it's a great principle, but it's not the Bible. And I think that we get caught up in that sometimes. Sometimes there's things where it's like, oh, that's so motivational. That's, Jesus had to say that. And it's not quite right. Yes, it may sound good, but it's not scriptural truth. It almost seems like we want things that are positive and encouraging more than we want that scriptural truth sometimes. And when we look at Psalm 37, it's exactly why David mentions how the feet of a righteous person will never slip because their hearts are just so secure on the foundation of God. Now, like we said, this book of Jude might be small, but there is so much to it. And when we look at our world today, there are a lot of voices that claim to be speaking truth. You can turn on the news and one news station says this is what truth is and then you'll flip channels and then another one will say a totally different truth. But when we go to God's word, we know that there is absolute truth in here and that is what Jude wants to win the day more than anything else. He tells us in verse three that this truth, this faith that we have, we need to actually defend it because there are a lot of outside voices, especially then in the church, that wanted to add to this truth. So what we're talking about today is what is the true message? What is the faith? And as we go to scripture, I want us one more time just to bow our heads and hearts before God. Lord God, this is your house. We are your people. And Lord, may you speak your word so clearly to us today. God, we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Jude. I'm not going to say a chapter because there's only one chapter. But when I say numbers, it'll just be the verses today. So Jude, starting in verse 5. And if you don't have your Bible, you can follow right along on the screen. So verse 5 goes like this. So I wanted to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later... He destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I want to remind you that the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority of God gave them, but left the place that, where they belonged. Now God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality of every sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire, and they serve as a warning of eternal fire of God's judgment. What a great cheery verse for this morning. Amen. 
Now, when we look into this scripture passage, uh, we're reminded of what Pastor Jim said last week, that Jude has this rule of three. And we see it right here in his examples. Remember, remember, don't forget. And I think he said don't forget because he wanted to mix it up because he already said remember twice. But he doesn't go into great detail about these stories. He says, you already should know these. The audience then would have said, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that, I remember that. But for today's sake, we're going to go into them a little more. But what Jude is doing here is he's, he's taking these book of the law stories, stories that were passed down from generation to generation to generation. That would be a foundational belief of these people and saying, remember your foundation. And I think we need to do that today. We need to have a firm foundation. Before we can build on top of our faith, we need to know where our faith is and what it stands on. And he goes to the first example of the Israelites. And he talks about how Moses uh, was able to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. How God provided ways for them. How they went through the water. How he provided manna and water in the desert. And still, there were problems with faithfulness with his people. We pick it up in Numbers 14. And the Israelites, they sent spies to check out the land that God had promised them. And, you know, you see in the story that there were 10 negative reports and two positive reports. And the two positive reports said, yeah, we, we know that there's giants there. But our God is bigger than everything. Our God can do this. And unfortunately, it went with a majority rules type of thing where the Israelites did not remember who was actually leading them. And because of that, um, in, in Numbers 14, verses 26 through 29, uh, the Lord's talking to Moses. He said, how long must I put up with this wicked community who just complains about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making about me. Now tell them this, as long as they shall live, surely they will not see the land that I have promised them. They will drop dead in the wilderness because they have complained about me. And every one of you who is 20 or older, which is included in this registration, will die. Once again, super cheery pieces today. But we see that God's faithfulness, even to his people, just like slipped their mind. Even though they'd seen it over and over and over again, they did not rely on his faithfulness. And that is what Jude is saying. Remember that God is faithful. Remember that, that he has promises. Our faith is built on those promises of God. Now the next example is the angels. And, and this one is an interesting one because Jude says, remember this story? And we don't actually um, know what, which one specifically he's talking about because there could be a couple. Um, one, he could be referring to the angels, the one-third of angels who left with Lucifer after there was that power struggle. And obviously God's going to win that. But one-third of angels left heaven. Or the other passage he could be referring to is found in Genesis chapter 6. Um, in the very beginning, it mentions how the angels were noticing some beautiful things here on earth, uh, specifically the women, and they decided to leave heaven because of their own desires. And it doesn't matter if they left with Lucifer or they left on their own desires. Either way, God says what's going to happen, those angels are going to be punished. He says that there will be a judgment day for them just like there is everyone else. And we need to remember that there is going to be a judgment day. Now last, we see Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's in Genesis chapter 19. And this one is a great reminder of how severe that punishment was. 
You know, these cities were so immoral that they were just completely destroyed. Even today, um, it's believed that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are somewhere um, either under or just around the Dead Sea, which God has a great sense of humor when he destroys a city and then puts it under the Dead Sea. But he wants to remind us that judgment, judgment is coming and we all will be held accountable for our actions. Now, these were all examples of either a weak foundation or no foundation at all. But having a firm foundation means that your structure is set, that you're solid, that Jude wants to remind his audience of of an unwavering foundation that, that you can build upon, that when you learn more about God, it just grows and grows and grows. Now we pick up in verse 8, and it says this. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams, they live immoral lives, they defy authority, and they scoff at supernatural beings. Pause for a second here. We said that Jude was talking about these people who wormed their way into the church, who were trying to speak truths that were against God's truth and deceiving people inside the church. So Jude saying, hey, look, in the same way, they live immoral lives, Sodom and Gomorrah. They defy authority, the Israelites against God. And they scoff at supernatural beings. Well, we just read a lot about angels there. Now, picking back up uh, with verse 9. It says, But even Michael, the mightiest of all angels, did not dare to accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. And this took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they don't understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instinct tells them. And, and so that will bring their own, their own, about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them. For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they will perish in their rebellion. These people eat with you at your fellowship meals, commemorating the, the Lord's love. But they are dangerous reefs that shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They're like clouds blowing over the land, not giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit, and they've been pulled up by the roots. They're like wild waves at sea, churning up foam and shameful deeds. And they're like wandering stars, doomed for the blackest darkness. I get such a cheery passage today. Now, even before Winston Churchill had said this quote, a man named Edmund Burke shared that those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. And Jude mentions a lot of Old Testament references, so we're going to dive a little deeper in these ones today. I can't go in full passages, but I'm going to share some references, and if you want to do some homework, feel free to write it down and then dive deeper into these stories. But he's telling his audiences that they need to learn from past mistakes. Learn from past mistakes. These ungodly people, they were doing what's already been done. They didn't learn. And we see this starting in verse 11 with the story of Cain found in Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve, and uh, they were making a sacrifice to the Lord. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's wasn't. And God even talks to Cain and says, Man, if you do what's right, don't you know it will be accepted? But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door and it wants to have you. And then Cain killed Abel. So what does this mean? Well, when we look at these ungodly people, when we look at these false teachers, 
it says that their offerings are worthless to God. That God will not accept them. That path of Cain, what he says, is empty. It leads to jealousy and it comes from our own motives. It's not what's pleasing to God, but what's pleasing to ourselves. And ultimately that leads to death and especially a spiritual death. Now next we see the story of Balaam. And this one can be found um, in about Numbers 22 through 24. It's a great story if you want to read the whole thing, but a little Cliff Notes version. We see Balaam is a prophet. And the king um, of, of Moab, whose name is Balak, he comes to Balaam and says, hey, I want you to put a curse on the Israelites. Because I've seen them knock out one country and knock out another and knock out another. I know we're coming up on the chain. But I want them to be cursed. And I'm going to give you a whole bunch of money for it. And Balaam says, well, let me ask God. I'll see what God says. And God says, no, you obviously can't put, put a curse on my people. So Balaam says, mm, I don't know if I can do that. But he still ends up going to the king going to meet the king. And, and even on the way, his donkey, God reveals an angel in front of him. And the donkey even stops and says, what are you doing? Like, don't you see this angel actually talking to him? And God opens his eyes and then yells at him and says, I'm so angry with you. Like, why are you doing this? But fine, you can still go, but you'll only say the words that I put in your mouth. And Balaam's like, great, I'm getting paid. Balaam goes. He's in front of the king and the king says, curse Israel. Balaam says, okay, build a couple altars and I'll say something. And he opens his mouth and he blesses Israel. And the king's like, that's not what I'm paying you for. So Balaam's like, okay, let's go to a new place, build some more altars, let's do this again. Opens his mouth, blesses Israel. And then blesses Israel a third time. And then the king whacks him, which is super hysterical. And then a fourth time, and a fifth time, and a sixth time, and a seventh time, he still blesses Israel every time he opens his mouth. And now you're thinking, well, what's wrong with this? He's putting a blessing over Israel. Well, we don't see it in this passage here. But if we jump to Numbers chapter 31, we see a little later on in the story that Balaam had gone away but had come back. And even though he couldn't put a curse on Israel, he still wanted to get paid. So he told the king, well, you might not be able to curse the Israelites, but you can definitely tempt them. Send over some of your Moabite women. Let them marry the Moabite women, and they will take on their gods. And that's exactly what happened. And God was so hurt by this that he sent a plague on his own people. Our warning here is that these false teachers will do whatever it takes to get what they want. Balaam wanted to get paid, and that's what he did. Whether it's money, whether it's popularity, whether it's numbers, we need to be careful of what these teachers are saying. And last, we see the story of Korah. In Numbers chapter 16, Moses has been the leader of Israel for a while. He's led them to a, a point where there are some community leaders underneath, and Korah is one of those leaders in the temple. And he says, you know what? Kind of sick of Moses. Anyone else with me? And about 250 other people rise up. So they go in front of Moses, and they say, you know, we, we don't want to follow you anymore. So Moses and Aaron both go to God, and they say, okay, God, what are we going to do here? And God just says, tell everyone who isn't associated with Korah and these people, move your tents. Just, just get away from them. 
And then there's a little exchange of words. And after that is done, God opens the earth. And everyone who followed Korah was sucked right in and the ground sealed back up. So God was not too happy with what Korah had to say. And that all comes to the leadership of God's people. The leadership of of the church then was led by the apostles, those who associated with Jesus, those who were founded on what Jesus had said on his true message. And those who try to sneak into the church with their own motives and try to push their own agendas, God has a different story for you. These people were almost like leading a rebellion in the church. They were bringing people underneath them who might have not known any better. And God wanted to give that little heads up. And if these weren't enough examples, God also gives some great illustrations. And uh, he doubles the rule of three right here. Just in case you didn't get enough threes, he gives you six. And one, he says, dangerous reefs, or some translations say hidden rocks. Saying that, you know, a, a ship that is going through waters that you can't see what's underneath, that there's rocks just hitting the bottom of the ship, that is going to sink. And that heads up is saying that If your false teachers are sharing these things and you don't see what's going on, it is going to bring the church down. Think about the Titanic. Shameless shepherds. The job of a shepherd is to take care of sheep. And now Jude is saying these shepherds are only taking care of themselves. They're not doing their job. One of the roles as a church leader is to be a shepherd of the sheep to look out for their flocks, and these guys aren't doing it. Clouds without rain, this is a culture that knew a lot about rain because they needed it for their crops to survive. And when they saw clouds coming that didn't bring rain, they were upset. And then when they saw clouds coming that all they did was block the sun, they were even more upset because that cloud was almost like being selfish. It wasn't serving any purpose, just like these leaders in the church. Trees without fruit and roots, Um, I've confessed before, I am not a gardener, but... I know around here that if you go to a nice orchard in, you know, like September, there's a lot of apples on the trees. It's a nice time to go apple picking. But imagine going to one of those orchards and there's no apples on the trees. And then the trees have no roots and they're just completely dead. That is what Jude is using to describe these leaders. They're not just corrupt morally and spiritually, saying that they're going to be judged harshly on judgment day as well. Wild waves. Isaiah 57 20 says, But to those who still reject me, they're like restless seas, which they just continually churn up mud and dirt. Now, my family just went out on a little vacation to a cottage, and there was a family friend at another little cottage who loved, loved, loved to fish. He was out on the water the entire time. Even when there was a storm that was just starting to roll in, he was still out there. And we're like, he's going to get caught in that. And then, a downpour just started and you just see the lights of the boat just trying to get back as fast as he could. One, he's getting drenched and two, he's not going to catch anything. Good luck fishing if the waves are so rough. These leaders are just like these rough waves and the last is not the wandering stars. Now you can use stars as a form of navigation but if these stars just keep moving and wandering, they're not reliable. You can't have any sort of guidance if they keep moving. They're untrustworthy. So not a real positive outlook for these leaders, leaders in the church. 
who are bringing their own words against what God is sharing. We need to remember what our foundation is really built on. I love that we were able to sing we believe because that is the core of our faith. Jesus Christ is our only hope. Sent to us from the Father out of nothing that we did on our own, nothing we did to earn it, but because of his love and mercy and grace. It's not about being a good person. It's not just about helping people. It's not even just showing up on a Sunday morning. We can't do this on our own. This faith, this foundation that Jude is talking about is absolute truth. And Pastor Jim gave us this reminder last week when he gave the visual of ice cream. What are the things that make ice cream, ice cream? Not like the little flavorings and toppings and everything, but, but the, the heavy cream and, and those essential things that make ice cream, ice cream. Now, we're not talking about frozen yogurt or anything. We're talking about ice cream. The same goes to our faith. What makes a Christian a Christian? The Trinity. Scripture crucifixion, resurrection. Like these are the things that we are called to share as absolute truth. And that's the last thing, that we need to share absolute truth. In our last few verses, uh, verses 14 to 16, we'll pick up here and it says, Enoch who lived in the seventh generation of Adam prophesied about these people. And he said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of other holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of the ungodly things that they have done for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoke against him. These people are grumblers, complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others only to get what they want. Now Jude is referring to, to this message that Enoch shared, who we find in Genesis chapter 5 as a descendant of Adam. And Enoch was so in tune with who God was that it even says he didn't die. He disappeared one day because God took him up. Imagine being that faithful that God just says, come with me. Obviously, the dude's going to say yes. But he shared this prophecy. And prophets weren't always the most accepted people at the time. Because they usually had a message from God saying, change your ways, do this differently, and we can, as people, be super set in our ways. We can be really resistant to change. And sometimes these messages weren't received. We already talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. The message of Enoch that he shares with us is a reminder that the Lord is coming and that there will be a judgment day. We will all have our moment before the throne. And those who speak badly against God or those who don't even say the name of God, we see what happens there. We see what's going to happen to these false teachers. Those who try to manipulate God's word or, or live on their own, they're going to be convicted. Just as verse 15 shares. And why? Why is this going to happen? Why does God care that much about what's going on in the church, what Jude is saying? Because the church is the bride of Christ and God loves his bride. And God is going to do anything for his bride. Church, we are his bride. Do we love him like that? 
Do we honor him in those ways? Do we share the absolute truth? Are we living this, this firm foundation in our lives? Because faith matters. Know your faith. Know what you believe. Know what absolute truth is. Now last week we talked about the song, Hey Jude, and sometimes that song is sweet and tender and, and there will be those moments to speak sweetly and tenderly. And then there's those moments of just raucous enthusiasm and sometimes we need to get a little loud too with what we believe, just like in the song. Now I know today was super heavy, but trust me, hold on for next week when Pastor Chris speaks about how the book of Jude wraps up, and it is such an amazing ending. We get to celebrate that part together. But until then, let's look at our foundation. Let's grow on that. Let's build on it. And let's pray. So Father God, as we are here before you now, we just say thank you for the love that you give, Lord, for, for the salvation that you have given us, that we, we have done nothing to earn, but Lord, the blood of your Son, just may it wash over us. And Lord, as we look at what it means to have a firm foundation in you, God, may we not keep that to ourselves, but may we share that with others. And Lord, going into this week, may we speak what you tell us. May we go where you lead us. In your name we pray. Amen.